things we do podcast a podcast about film life television culture mental health and all of that fun jazzy stuff today i got my special guest and friend phoebe green how are you mate good how are you i'm great thank you thank you for having me on board Thank you for coming on board. No worries. You seem so excited today. I'm so excited. I'm crafting myself. This is the first time I've had a microphone in my face and let's see how it goes, shall we? Yeah, I know. We'll see we'll see if it's the trial of <laughs> tribulations. Um, so Phoebe, tell everyone out there who you are and what you do. So my name is Phoebe Green and I'm a twenty one year old aspiring cinematographer. Wow. You sort of like, I like the word you use, aspiring. Yeah, I don't want to put myself on that pedestal just yet as a DOP, but I'm an aspiring cinematographer. Uh, that's a, what dragged you. I know, I know, like most people sort of assume c- cinematographer or DOP is kind of not the first place that pe- most people go to. I think, unless you're very artistic, what was kind of the thing that drove you to go? This is the career. This is like the thing I definitely want to do. What did you do as a young kid to kind of be like, this is where I want to go? Well, ever since I was younger, I've just always been intrigued with any type of media that's been out there. Mm. And I started a lot back in like the dramatic side of things. So mm. like the like theater. And um I used to love I used to love acting. And really? my parents, like I I had a huge passion for acting when I was younger. I'm not that good at it. That's why I'm <laughs> behind the camera. Funny that. But my parents, like, they saw that I had a huge passion for this and they put me into these acting schools and I lasted, like, one or two lessons. I hated it. Didn't like it that much. But even, like, when I moved to Australia when mm. I was nine, I, like, still chose to be, like, the lead role in, like, a lot of theatre productions that my, like, primary school would hold. Wow. And people were like, wow, she's so confident. She, like, loves to get up and talk yeah. and speak. And, like, that got me into public speaking and all that stuff. Yeah. But, like, long story short, I mo- I'm also went from that, like, theatre background and then I found, like, I fell in love with backstage and lighting. Yeah. And I remember in high school we did, like, these, like, musical productions and I would do backstage and help out back there and then... That same year, um, in grade eight, twenty thirteen, I um did my first of a film class, and it was wow. from it was that smooth transition from yeah. that backstage work into film. That's what made me fall in love with cameras, and then from then on, I got my first camera when I was like I think fifteen, and um, yeah, I think yeah, when I was fifteen, I was in the UK, got a camera for Christmas, and yeah, from then on, just started taking photos and just progressed from there. Wow, and then um, it, I think. It was when I was in my graduating class of high school. I really fell in love with cinematography. Yeah. And that was the definition I was looking for my whole life. And finding that word cinematography led me to finding my university course. And then from then on, it was just, this is what I want to do. This is who I am. And that's exactly where I see myself. And I will will get there. Yeah. But um, it will take time. But yeah. I'm willing to put in all the hard miles to get there. I think I think that's what what's extraordinary as well is you know like for such a male dominated industry mm. and to see a lot of a lot of people like yourself really progressing into cinematography, which was n- predominantly in the 80s and 70s a man's role. Yeah. It was like not considered for women. Yeah. It, and, you know even even um, you know people of non-binary or anything like that. It was just not considered because it was politically. A man's role. Yeah, and definitely. It, and I feel like nowadays that's extraordinary because mm-hmm. you're kind of like cracking the mold um, and just going, okay, cool, this is the thing I want to do. 
and to strive and do it. Exactly. And, like, I think, like, the best way I've done that so far mm. was the second I graduated um, university in 2019, I emailed the top 15 female cinematographers mm. in Australia. Oh. And when I say top 15, not, like, they've been the finest of top 15, they're the top 15 in my eyes that yeah. are most inspirational to me. Yeah. And I emailed them all, I think it was, like, January 31st. And literally, it took a few months, but I got more than 15 responses back. I got around 30. Wow. And these were all these women and, and some men. And they were like, we are really interested in helping you out. We are really like impressed with your work. You're like a rising star. Yeah. And we want to take you under our wing before anybody else can get you. Wow. And it was hearing that that really encouraged me just to really get out there and yeah. really sink my teeth into this craft and really just pursue this goal. And I think it's... I think the best, the best ever experience I've had was um, Tanya Lambert. She was the first person that actually ever got back to me. Wow. And she gave me my first ever professional gig, like proper gig. Wow. And I was in Sydney. I got flown down and I worked as a second day CNN advert. It never got released because the bushfires had since stopped and COVID took over. Yeah. But- like it was that opportunity to watch and really admire somebody that is in the position that I want to be in yeah. that really drove me forward. And I'm like, it was from that day onward in Sydney, I'm like, this is where I'm going to be. And one day I will be in her shoes helping out somebody like myself. Yeah. And I want to be the Tanya to someone like me. Yeah. Uh, can I just say that is the most inspirational. <laughs> it's so inspirational. I think that that is the pinnacle of how people should look at the industry. Instead of just being jaded, it's just like, well, how can I help someone? It's so secretive. Yeah, and I know. And I don't understand why. I've got a bunch of friends that are older than me, that are younger than me. And yes, I've got more experience, but I'm here to help them. Yeah. And the amount of people that I've brought under my wing and I've taken on board with me is mm. ridiculous. And like, they're no older than me. Yeah. But these are these are my bestest friends and they have they share the same passion and I yeah. want to give them what they're not getting and yeah. I, it's just shocking that only certain people can break through that crack and I want to help other people get through that crack and if I've got to share those secrets I I bloody will. Yeah. And I'll bring them through that crack with me because yeah. I want to uplift people and not stop people. I love that. I think it also. I think the thing you hit the nail on the head because the secretive comes out of capitalism. Yeah. It's the it's the downside is there's there's a divide in the art world, which is one side is capitalism, the other side is actually making something yes. to bring people together. Yeah. Because a whole the whole if you go back down to the basics of what what people started in film, I think like the nineteen tens nineteen twenties were war adverts. Like they they were about informing people. They were about bringing messages. And then it became long form, short forms. Like you know, and now we have what it is today, which mm. is extraordinary. But you go to people, you know, have you like? I think the thing also I say to any any students out there or anyone who any of any age watch classic films because the thing I think that benefits from looking at how something was made to how it is made now you really understand the passion that went behind making something and especially like good art like I watched the other day I watched Gaslight for the first time great film uh, 1944 um, and Ingrid Bergman is in it and. She's phenomenal. But what I didn't realize was how empowering that film is for women. Mm -hmm. And that's 1944. Wow. And that's like, it's about a marriage that is manipulated and the guy's manipulating the woman, the entirety of the film until the end. And then you realize she's just learned all these horrible secrets. And then she's gone, you know what? Fuck you. 
I'm going to turn this around on you. Wow. And I think it's, you know, it looks back on this film and it looks back on the craft of things and think, okay, well, you know, the 1940s to 60s or even later is kind of an era I shouldn't look in due to racism or sexism or homophobia mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but nowadays it's actually a great form of how we progress yep. and how we, and I think going forward into, you know, like the industry and everything, I think that's where the market is. Cause how are you with story? Like what brings you to stories and what makes you want to resonate with true stories? Cause obviously that must be part of the aspire to be a cinematographer is to kind yeah. of like tell certain stories that you're like, these are the ones that I'm like, I want to go for. Yeah. Well, I'm just drawn to anything that's got a motive and that's got a message underlying. I love subtext. Yeah. And Regardless of the message itself, if I can bring that message to light through simple little camera movements, lighting changes, you know, if I can articulate like an environment and manipulate an atmosphere to really direct an audience to think a certain way, Mm -hmm. that's how I'm drawn to a story. And it's not more so I want to put in black and white ABC. I really want to show and I want people to feel that message that's underlying. Yeah, And that's what... Like me as a cinematographer, that is the, like that is what story is to me, and that is what draws me to really tell a story and like get a story, you know, really dig it out of the cracks and really yeah. put it out there. But just through those little details, and that's why I love like experimental film. Really? Yes. Re- I I used to not like experimental film. Funny that in um university we had an experimental film assignment, yeah. and I was like, I'm gonna film, I'm gonna film everything. Just not that. Wow. Yeah, seriously. And I didn't shoot that. That was the one project I did not film throughout my whole university degree. And then last year, my favorite project I'd ever worked on and ever created and shot was a project called Dolores. And that Ah. itself is an experimental film, a psychological horror. Yeah. And to this day, I look back at that set and I'm like, wow, that was my element. And that is a story. And that is how I want to tell a story. And maybe not the message itself, but... In general, just the practices that I put into that film, that's how I want to tell messages and tell a story. And that's how I want an audience to feel. And that's the exact exact reaction I got from that project is exactly what I expect from everybody in future with every other project I shoot. That's insane. What what do you think was the biggest challenge, especially for a project like that, for your learning curve? Funny this. It was (laughs) actually understanding what subtext actually was. (laughs) Seriously, there was an assignment um, in my try to uni class and um, one of the little like one of the small mini assessments that we had, which was a big chunk of the grade, mm. was um, getting a film and explaining the subtext. And I don't watch mo- like movies, dude. I don't watch really? anything like I like to play a game and it's oh, like name 10 films. Guarantee you I've, I've probably not seen them like at all. And <sighs> Um, like knowing what subtext was, trying to figure it out, yeah. but also finding a film that's got a subtext obvious enough for me to understand so I can break it down yeah. was difficult. And I left it and I am so prompt in my assessments. I get them done four weeks early. But this was the one assignment I was so stressed over and my cousin that just flew over from the UK and like my mom and her and my dad were trying to find movies for me to like break down and I'm having a breakdown, like a literal breakdown, like on the kitchen table. So stereotypical, but I'm like, what the hell is subtext? Yeah. But then The Conjuring and that's one of my favorite like TV or not TV, sorry, like film, like universes, like like the universe that The Conjuring films have created is one of my favorite. Yeah. And Funny that I don't watch a lot of films, but I love horror. 
And this 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 the underlying subtext in that film and the way they discussed it really unlocked like a feeling in me. Yeah. And I broke the I broke down that whole film, The Conjuring Two, to be specific. And wow. I absolutely aced the assignment, and I did it the day before. And I was crapping myself the whole time, but I did it. And yeah. my um, lecturer had no idea. And wow. thank God for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, like that to me was the hardest thing yeah. about you know just about doing that film itself it's figuring out what is the subtext and that's the thing i struggled with for so long and it was that experience i had throughout uni that really drove me to dive deep and to Mm. really pause and break down everything and i had a um i got selected to be um like a like a mentee um for the acs for one of their little programs that they had and i got paired with a lady called sky davis and she showed me an Excel spreadsheet that she always goes through and she ticks off all these things and she writes things down from every script and she breaks down each scene into three little columns. And that's how she breaks down subtext and that's how she breaks down like a film's elements, symbols, mm. everything about it. There's down to color, atmosphere and language. And it, I did that for the film Dolores and mm. that helped me unlock all the subtext in that film and the beauty of what it could be. Yeah. And it allowed me to really tell the story to the full, like to the full or to my fullest capability mm. visually. And I managed to figure out like, oh, like a bathtub could be like a womb. It's like an incubator for a child. It's like, yeah. because it's like surrounded by all these warm, sticky substances and it's, it's a big pink room. And it's breaking down details like that and finding a motive for it and why it's that is what helps me bring a message to life. And it's all those little things. And I really thank Sky for that because that Excel spreadsheet that she sent me mm. has gotten me so many jobs. Really? Because I just take the time. I'm not a big script reader, but <laughs> I read them. Yeah. Even though it takes me forever. I'm not the best reader, but mm. I break down everything. And that Excel spreadsheet helps me out so much. And I can understand a script. And then when you say a certain scene, I can go down to the exact number and just completely relay everything in it because I've broken down everything so much where it's just become embedded into me. And that's why I feel so connected to a lot of the stories I shoot because it's more than just like a short film. It's it's like it becomes a part of me and I take all of the motives. Like I I get everything. I I indulge in everything, Mm. in every element that the story has to tell Mm. and I make it my own. And that's what, to me subtext is and it was from that was through it was from overcoming that challenging aspect through that excel spreadsheet and that's you know like just to kind of package it all together yeah i love that i mean like it's really interesting that you use this spreadsheet analogy as well because like i think that's such a methodical way of doing something especially with like um you know like subtext because i think when most like especially when you're writing films or anything like that and and you know like subtext is you know always in between lines i feel like a lot of people don't look at subtext yeah. as much as you and know. it pains me to think that because i put so much into a yeah. film and people are like oh that's just the bathtub i'm like yeah. it's a womb darling yeah it's not a bathtub it's a womb <laughs> look at it differently but i feel like i feel like that's sort of like where you kind of walk this fine line of of um going to films watching them and then going this is this is something that's crafted it's handmade but i also think that's the advantage of short films like it's the advantage of short cinema it's the advantage of like it's a challenge it's like how much can you tell in a certain amount of time yeah like how long is a short film on average like 15 minutes is that like like the max of a short film 
like it's it's a challenge for us DPs because we have to come in so much yeah. into so little, but that's how rewarding it is, and that's why I love things like TVCs. You yeah. have fifteen to thirty seconds to sell an audience on something like that being a product or like like a, a thing or like a quota and it's it's all the effort and the time that we put into that mm. and it only translates to 15 seconds on screen but it's what you indulge from that 15 seconds yeah yeah it, to me that's the most important thing and it's what you take away from it I think it, the, the same principle comes from editing because my like my background in particular was like editing originally. Oh, I can't edit. At all. It's, it's, my friends would know this. I can't <laughs> sit still. Like I. <laughs> I mean, like I, I love editing. It's yeah. one of my favorite things to do. But I mean, like ever, it, it's also kind of interesting because I feel like your relation with a DOP and an editor are like two of the kind of like mystic arts because mm. a DOP does all the pictures and then the editor takes all of that and puts it into a. Con- conceivable a range of like a coherent story mm. and makes it accessible for the audience but even in that you kind of as an editor get all these shots that might not necessarily line up initially when you look at them but over time they sort of do yeah because it's such a i know the you know how like the 180 rule the basic principles oh, of film, don't even define yeah. like so the 180 rule i'm like very dyslexic let's just say that <laughs> and Let's just say, in oh god, I always throw it back to uni, but I overcome a lot of things at uni, <laughs> especially the one eighty rule. That was my biggest like enemy yeah. in my in my first trimester. Wow. I could not figure out my lefts and rights to save the life of me. Really, seriously. And if you just gave me a camera, I'd do it straight away. It'd be perfect. But if you got me to explain it and draw it and act it out, I'd be like a like I'd be like a big headless chicken. I wouldn't know what I'm doing. I'd be walking around like, is this left? Is that right? Like, yeah. I'm upside down right now. Where am I? Like, <laughs> why is the guy looking left? And then the other lady he's talking to is also looking left. Like, it, the 180 rule for me was like, it was a pain in my butt. But I, I, I overcame it like the subtext yeah. conundrum. And I understand it now. Because, <laughs> I mean, you can break the principle. You can break. You can and if I, it's prompted yes. thematically, unless you're doing something experimental. In which case. I did a project called 232 and um, there was a big um, confrontational scene. Yeah. And I really wanted to jolt the viewer and I wanted the viewer to feel really disconnected from the actual emotion in the scene because mm. that's how the characters are feeling in that moment. So I randomly, for a split second, for two shots only, I just jumped out the store and all the audience came out the store with me and we were all just watching, observing a, really? a conversation happen in a store. And that moment in itself, every person that's gone back to me in regards to that moment in the film, they're like, we felt something. It, was, it just felt uncomfortable. Like, we shouldn't be watching this. We're a fly on the wall that shouldn't be there. And I'm like, perfect. Because Marriage Story was my inspo. And that yeah. is like an uncomfortable conversation, the whole film. We are yes. a fly on the wall that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And in that moment, I really wanted to translate that into this film and it worked and it was breaking the 180 rule, you know, like you shouldn't, I shouldn't have done it, but I did it, but it translated so well on screen. Yeah. And I'm so glad that the audience felt that way because that's exactly what I intended. I love that as well. And I feel like, th- you know, that's when you use the skill set right, because mm. a lot of the, <laughs> and, and I don't mean this in an a negative way but when people use it wrong and i and i go back to my like own high you know like hsc drama film which i shot myself and i didn't use the 180 like i broke the 180 roll without realizing what the 180 oh, roll no. was so it looks kind of like 
oh, that's a suddenly jarring angle. But I think it works also in the film because mm-hmm. it was like my first thing I shot on a, a little handy cam. And I was 18 at the time and just in my last year of uh, school. And it basically the scene was a horror film. It was wow. a, it, So it kind of worked regardless of what was actually. It was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of film is. Yeah. Because I feel like the the thing, I feel like also we're trained as, at, at a young age to be always perfect and be, yeah. and be flawless. But I feel like if you really, really looked at any film out there, 99.9% of them are not perfect they, mm-hmm. they, because human beings, we're not. We, Things we're, slip through our minds easily yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. And it's not detrimental to a project at all. It's not going to make a director think, oh, what is that? That's yeah. crap. That one moment for a split second has just ruined a whole feature. Yeah. No, people just don't notice it. They forget it. Yeah. Because they're that, like, if people are that, like, you know, embedded into a story, they're not going to look at little mistakes like that. No. And like that's why something like like The Room for example. Yeah. Like there's so many mistakes in that, but because the story's that that fantastic, let's just say yeah. that people just look past the mistakes and they just enjoy the pure comedy from it. Yeah. And that's what it's known for most notably. It's yeah. comedy. Yeah. And also kind of how average it is, but <laughs> the pure comedy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a flaw. It's a very flawed film. In, it's a beautiful. In, 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 flaws flawed, are beautiful. <laughs> I know, and and I think with that film, it's kind of it's one of those one hundred ones where you clearly can see it as a one draft wonder. Definitely. And, <laughs> but also, someone with too much money and amazing level of just getting a crew together, because that's like one of the hardest things, especially especially when you're sort of working, especially when you're breaking down the industry, especially mm. when you're doing your first ever short film. There's not a lot of funding unless it gets grants and screenings of files or anything like that. Yeah. The, in Australia itself, it's pretty hard. Yeah. It's not a win-win. So a lot of the time, a lot of people are making films on next to no money unless they're a feature. Exactly. Um, like, they put their own like pockets into everything. Yeah. And sometimes they get nothing out of it at the end of it. Yeah. But it's the pure satisfaction of, look what I've done. Yeah. I've put my all into this, my whole bank account into this. Yeah. But... I've done something that you guys haven't and mm. like they ha- they have so much pride from that and yeah. I think that's the beauty of film and like low budget indie films because it's that it's that satisfaction at the end of the day. Yeah, cuz I mean like how are you, you know, cuz obviously the capitalism <laughs> this goes back to capitalism <laughs> it's just so strong. But I it's mean the circle of life, it's mate. It's <laughs> so so bad. Um but I mean like for you how like are you one of those people who's like okay, well if I love the script I'll do it, you know, for this or I'll do it for nothing. Are you very much like very much always about the art over the the profit? I literally sent a text message to a director today and he <laughs> said to me, oh, like we don't have a lot of budget left over to have an extra person on set. And I literally said to him, I can get up now and read it word for word. It was like, it's not the money that I want. Like mm. I'm young, I'm 21. I want to experience everything that this industry can throw at me. And if I've got to fly myself somewhere out of my own pocket, I will do it because it's the experience and the friends I make like out of the whole project. It's not networking. It's friendship. I didn't look at people as networks. I look at them as friends. I don't want money. I want friends. And I want to be able to collaborate with all Mm. these people and make something meaningful. Maybe even if the script doesn't have a happy ending, it's still meaningful in some way. And I, it's, it's just, I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by passion and I love cameras and whatever you can get me to do that involves a camera, I'll do it. 
Yeah. Because I love cameras so much and I love the friends I meet along the way. Mm. Because like I've like this this like the past two and a half months I've just been flying everywhere. Mm. Sometimes out of my own pocket, sometimes they're getting it for me. And I've just been living the life, meeting so many new people interstate. I'm going to Perth in like I think two weeks. Yeah. To meet more people, to work with more people. And I'm so bloody excited. And sometimes the projects are free. I did a whole month in Melbourne for free. Wow. But I wanted to. Yeah. And I paid for all of that out of my own pocket. And my parents pushed me that much as well. They helped me out as well. Mm. Even though I say, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. But they, every step of the way, even if I say no, they will put their first foot forward and they will help me out regardless because they know where I want to end up and they will help me every step of the way and they will yeah. drop anything in their path to help me out. And I'm so respectful and that's why I love them so much. Aww. But it's it's mostly, it is literally the passion and yeah. the friends I have. I tell my mates every day, like I work with my best friends. Yeah. Like back in Brisbane, down in Sydney, I've met so many people everywhere. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see for all these friendships. I, like I, I can't wait like until like 50 years time yeah. where we're all working together and we've all grown together and we've all excelled together and we're all at that same level and we finally reached our end goal. Yeah. And one of my mentors, Susan Stitt, I love this woman to bits and she's like a second mother to me and she's classified me as a daughter to her and I love Aww. that. But the first time I ever met Susie, I flew to Sydney out of my own pocket just to go see her. My mm. mom came with me. Um, she did wait outside the whole time because I wanted to look independent. But um, <laughs> don't tell Susan that. Or <laughs> but um, Susie said to me, and she probably didn't think this would stick with me, but it's the one story I always tell to people. And she um, started with a sound recorder's friend. And they've been working with, like, with each other since university. Mm. And even to this day, they're still getting coffee and they're still working with each other. Mm. And it's that it's that philosophy of like you, you work with someone from a young age and you both just grow together and it's the friendships that you make. And mm. clearly they both went through so many obstacles, especially way back then. And Susie is an amazing female DP and she's taken so much crap, but that did not stop her because it's the passion that drove her. And it's not the people that can stop her. It's not the money that she could get. It's, mm. it's just that pure passion yeah. that she's got for camera and that's what i've got and she said to me you can't teach passion you just have it yeah and she said you've got passion you're oozing passion like you can't even sit still when you talk like right now my hands are going everywhere no, I'm i love that. the table i love that but um yeah it's just it's just the passion and you can't yeah. you can't teach that no. and, and that and you can't you can't buy that either with money and that's why i, I don't care about money mm. at all i just want to meet friends, I want to make meaningful projects. I want to have fun. I'm young, yeah. and like that's what I'm here to do right now. And I can't wait until you know I finally hit that stage in my life where I get paid, but I you know I, I get paid, but you still have the passion, and I don't want that passion yeah. to die ever. Yeah, I think I think that is the most humbling thing to hear. I love that story. That's a great story. I mean, like it's also just very true because mm. I feel like you know, uh, and I say this to everyone you know between you know like because i do i do photos and stuff like that and i've cool. i've and i've like and i've said this to um a few friends i'm like i did a gig last year and because i worked full time for majority of my career it was like perfect i don't really have to get paid on the shoots and stuff that i help out with mm -hmm. don't need to worry about it. and this was the first shoot that i they were like no 
because we're paying everyone, we're going to pay you. And I was like, okay, what's what's my figure? What you know, I've had a full time job for eight nine years. So what do I say to them? And one of my friends who had freelanced his entire life was like, what do you mean you haven't been paid for? half the things you do. And I'm like, I just love it. I love what I do. And as crazy as that sounds, and and I'm about to sort of like jump into the freelance world next year, which is a bit a bit of a it's different. Exciting. It's exciting. So you're going to have so much fun. Um, but I mean, like it, it is one of those things that I didn't, you know, I've never joined this industry for anything other than the love of it. And it, and it comes down to wanting to help people. It's always come down to, it's like you, you just want to do the best of your abilities to make people at the end of the day, feel like they've accomplished their dreams. They've exactly. accomplished something. And I say this to everyone as well. There is everyone on set, like whether it's your editor, whether it's your DOP, whether it's a sound recorders, everyone is the most crucial person there. Exactly. No one is to waste because we're all collaborators yeah. and it's like a team. Yeah. It's like I play a lot of team sport. Like I play basketball and yeah. if one member's not there, we want like one member down, that's part of our family's gone. Yeah. And it's like in film, like that whole philosophy from sport comes into film. And that's why I love film so much because they're like my little team. Mm. And I don't ever want to leave a man behind. I want to make sure that we're all together and yeah. we're all, you know, collaborating. And if someone, like I think on, on a set, um, my good friend like started, like, started feeling really tired, getting a bit down on themselves. I stopped the set that mm. I was shooting and I was like, I need to talk to this person because I want to make sure that they're okay. Because yeah. if one of my guys are left behind, I'm not going to have fun. I want all of us to be there together, all happy. Yeah. And it was after a brief conversation, we all just kind of jumped up onto our feet and we went back in there and finished the film. Yeah. And it was a bloody phenomenal night. And I think there should be more people like yourself and I out there. And I'm so happy to hear that you have the same passion as me. Yeah. Because I've put so many people that have begged me for an opportunity on set and I've given them an opportunity. And the second they find out that it's not paid for them, because they're new, they're green, as what we like to call it. Yeah. Um, they leave like the day before and they yeah. don't tell me. And I'm like, well, you just shot yourself in the foot. Mm. And look, I will love you forever as a friend, but as a worker, like you're really going to have to prove yourself to me the next time you want an opportunity because I've just really nagged to get you on board this project and you've just done this. Yeah. And it really, that, it really, it genuinely upsets me. Mm. And it puts a lot, of, I don't get stressed ever, but that is the one time in my life I would get stressed. Besides from that one assignment back in uni. But <laughs> like I get stressed because I think I'm letting the team down because one of my people that I've recommended has just left. Yeah. And it's because of the money. It's mm. not passion. And mm. that's why a lot of people, you know, just drop out. Like after like university, they will aspire to hit the top straight away. And when they realize that they won't reach the top immediately, they just drop and they just leave. Yeah. And it's the people like us that have been long lasting in this, you know, like ever going ladder mm. of this industry. We just, we just keep climbing it every day. Mm. And the second we get hit with no bill or like, or with, sorry, like with no check, we're not going to fall. No. We're going to keep climbing. Yeah. And it's people like that that fall. It, it just, it, it paints a bad picture of the industry mm. because I um spoke with a director today actually and he said to me, do you actually have like a passion for the script? Do you like the script? Because if, you, if you're if you not really a fan of the script, I, I'm not sure if I want you on board because I want people on this film to have an equal passion for mm. this script. We want people to not do it for the check. We want people to do it for the story. And I'm like, well, lucky for you, I bloody love the story. I can relate to it so much. And that's why I'm flying out for it. That's why I'm going such a long way mm. to work on this project because this story 
has got fundamental like elements that I can really deeply relate to, mm. even though it's a sci-fi. I've never been in the spaceship, but it's the it is the story that the, that character faces mm. that I can relate to personally. And I won't spoil it, but I, I'm so excited to see just that art come to life in front of me, mm. in front of the camera, because that's the passion I have. It's not a paycheck. Yeah. It's not like the networking. It is the excitement I get on set every yeah. time I step on. Yeah. And that is what drives me. Yeah. To work for free every day. I th- I 100% agree with that. And I think you know the testament the testament I say to anyone as well is I did a I tried to do a short film a few years back. It still hasn't been made. Had the script and storyboards and everything up in a drawer. But it was mostly come down to just budget. It, mm. Basically the budget blew out of uh, proportion and we were like we can't afford half of this and due to purpose like personal circumstances i couldn't do it and so i was like okay this goes to the sideline at the moment but i had the best crew and cast and they all went no worries whenever you want to pick this up again we're we're back I there was there wasn't a because they weren't getting a paycheck or anything they weren't getting anything out of this and that's the passion that you yeah. want that's yeah i love that that like genuinely makes me like so excited yeah i love that and i think it comes down to and and the thing i say to everyone is it's it comes down to you just being in your backyard playing with a video camera go out there if you want to be anything go out there grab a camera just exactly do anything art can be made out of anything yeah you can point a camera at a tree yeah and, like what's a subtext there like you can yeah. Make anything up. You can make your own story. You can go crazy. Mm. Like I used to love making stories up when I was younger with my friends in the playground in yeah. primary school, and it was from that day onwards I realized I am a creative. I'm a vis- I'm a, like a visionary. That's exactly what I want to do, and I want to, you know, I want to utilize this creativity that I have inside me mm. and put it to practice somehow. And then it's when I found a camera. Yeah, that's why I'm like, this is the exact tool I need to put this creativity. To practice yeah. and to share my message to the world. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it just it summed up um, perfectly as a kid as well. Like the same thing, principle, but me with telling people what to do and go. <laughs> you should is, be an AD. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it's like AD, a D, uh, or a director is like my two sort of like. My, I think it's always like I ended up being producer because I loved organizing. Awesome. But um, but I remember once when I was a kid, I was like. It was year six, and we I wrote a play, and it was based on a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. The, the um the book series by Lemony Snicket, and I wrote it for my friends at high school, uh, in primary school, like end of year end of year six, and we wrote it, and they started, and we rehearsed like a few times prior to even putting it on stage. And it was five minutes; it was very short, and it was meant to be just like a Christmas story. But I remember the teachers just going, "Yep, very driven, very kind of just like." He's going to go far. That he's, moment is to yeah. find your future and yeah. what you wanted to do. And, and everyone it, saw that and everyone yeah. exp- and everyone felt that. And that's, I love to hear, I love that story. Yeah. I think it's also like when you, when you grow up and, and think like my dad's a photographer, he's, he's the creative of the family. So it's like coming, he's worked for Lonely Planet Images. He's traveled his entire wow. life. Um, and he worked previously for like, um, independent magazines and stuff like that, where he'd shoot, um, photos of band members and go around. So he's, he's met like, that's some, awesome. He's met David Bowie. He's met, oh like, my God. Wow. I know, there you go. I was like, when he told me that, I was like, you. Love you. Um, he's the best. But I mean, like one of those things that I think, you know, because of that upbringing, because my dad wasn't around sometimes of the year because he'd be traveling. That was like the thing I wanted to do. I was like, well, that's the life I want where I go and do things and I get creative and I do what my dad does, which is 
go and see the world, go and do everything. And I think that level of um, passion and that and that level of drive that my dad has is extraordinary because you know he he doesn't stop ever doing anything, and he's mm. sixty five um, now, um, and he's just never stopped. Wow! And I and I don't think he ever will. I really admire that. Yeah, and I feel like he is the inspiration of like people who sh- you know like that people should look at it and go, well, you've had a you've done a lot and you've lived a life, and that it's nothing to sneeze at because I feel like because we're young. Because everyone goes, you know, I, and it comes down to experience because I think people look at us, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now and you're 21. But, it, I mean, people will probably go, oh, but you haven't had enough experience or you haven't oh, lived enough. Oh, I have like, had that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes people ask me to submit my ID with wow. my CV because they don't believe me. Yeah. And I'm like, I do have experience just because I'm young. It doesn't mean I'm yeah. inexperienced. And. I hate that that's the case a lot of the time Yeah. because sometimes I won't get onto a feature because I'm just too young. Yeah. And regardless of what my CV says, they just think she's just too, she's too green. She's too young. How dare she and even apply? I'm like, I'm like, damn, that sucks. Like, how yeah. dare I be too young and have yeah. a, have a great CV. That I have to submit my idea with it. Like, yeah. but yeah, like that's just, you know, that is just the industry at hand right now. But the second I turn 25, watch out, industry. <laughs> I mean, like, did you did you ever also cop any, um, fl- like, flack, you know, with certain um, things about being a, a female? Oh, my God. I, it, this, this experience that I had literally drove me to leave set and, like, just bore my eyes out yeah. in, like, the porta potty outside. Yeah. Seriously. And I worked on such a high budget feature film, like re like it was it was uh, I'm not gonna say anything, but like multi 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 million dollars. Yeah. And I was pretty much the youngest person on the set, and I had people in the same department as me, also the same gender as me, come up to me and think, "You should not be here. You're too young. My friend should have been on this and not you." Wow. My friend is more deserving. You're just like a young brat, and. I'm like, excuse me, I like I'm here for a reason. I've got the exact same level mm. of experience as you do, and you're forty, and at the time I was twenty, mm. and that it was every day. I think for the first month I experienced just this, and it got to the point where I you have to speak up, mm. and I noticed it happening to my friend on set. And that was the day that I cracked. And I'm like, I'm not going to go through all of this. And then I'm not going to sit here and watch a good friend of mine on set go through it as well. So I went to my my friend that was very high up. And they, the people that, you know, caused like all this havoc that was happening on set, Mm. they got removed immediately. Because bullying is not tolerated in this industry at all. Mm. And... The fact that I had to experience that at a really young age, being the youngest on set, being a female, not that it's always gender-based, but the fact that another female was really discouraging me in pursuing this whole dream that I have, it really upset me Mm. and it really affected me, but it did not stop me from getting out there with tissues on my eyes and working my ass off. Mm. I still slated like a star (laughs) and like... It was it it was really traumatic. Like the next time I got a feature, I was very scared to get on board of it. But I pushed through and like I'm so glad that I've got that, you know, resilience in me because mm. like if I didn't step on foot that second set or on that second feature that I got on, mm. I may not even be here today because I may still be scared. 
but it's the fact that my parents helped push me and because I came home I think the last time I worked on set with that said person I was just in tears I was at home just crying at like four in the morning because mm. we did like an overnight shoot and yeah. they were like are you just tired I'm like no like I, I I'm being bullied on set like every day for my age and just because I'm a young female doesn't mean I should get bullied mm. like nothing indicates towards bullying in that and they were like, you've just got to go out there and you've got to show them wrong. And I've been working my ass off ever since just proving people wrong. And just because I'm young doesn't mean I'm inexperienced. It means I'm a hard worker and I deserve to be here. And yeah. I've been given this opportunity for a reason. Yeah. And I have just pushed myself and I've helped uplift people. Whenever I see them getting bullied on set or having someone talk down to them, yeah. I'll step in. I'm like, excuse me, that's not correct. We should just, you know... Just kind of let's just rewind a bit and let's yeah. just stop there or take it privately. Let's not do it publicly mm. or let's have like a producer step in as well and, you know, mediate because you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be like a six-year-old person literally talking down to a 20-year-old. Yeah. Not at all. You should no. be uplifting the youth. You should be, we are the next generation of this industry. You yeah. should not be putting us down. You should be really proud of us for getting here at such a young age. And yeah. that's why I, I've been named one of the youngest second ACs in Australia to work on like a Hollywood feature film mm. and to be able to achieve that at 20 years old, but also get like bullied for that. It's just, it's just so contradictory. Why reward it if you're just going to crap on me? Yeah. And like, I'm just glad that I've, I've moved on from that little rough patch because that rough patch really, it lit a fire in my belly and I, I, I just, I just want to prove myself. I want to like scream to the world that this is who I am. And I'm so keen to smash out every goal I've set in place. And I've set some goals that are so unreachable, but I will get there because uh. I'm just going to keep working my butt off and yeah. no one's going to stop me and no one's going to put me down. No. Mm. I, I love that as well. And I think that's the, that's you've hit the nail on the head in terms of just like bullying is not tolerated. Not I, at all. And I think the, the problem, you know, and it comes in, you know, like – just situations where I think, you know, politically and stuff you see in the workplace and it is becoming, you know, like, um, and it's not always, as you say, it's not always women, it's not always men, it's not, you know, it's not always attacked directly, you know, and and it could be various um, different ways of attacking. But yeah, you know, speak up when shitty situations happen. Always speak up. Because never, I could never sit down and no, watch that. And and I think that it also, you know, like this industry, as you, uh, you know, when it does come down to greed and it does come down to where you sit in the hierarchy thing, that's not an industry that's built on kindness. It's, exactly. It's built on, you know, shitty behavior because at the end of the day, we should all be helping each other and understanding each other and being there for each other. Exactly. But it, it, it we're all here for the same reason. Yeah. To make something. Yeah. Because, you know, like companies put money into, like, there's, you know, if you're in a multi million dollar shoot, or even if you're on a small budget shoot, you put the same level and everyone puts this. Exactly. Because they're, they're all there for the same reason. And I can't stand it when I see it. And I'm like you, I can't stand it when I come to set and someone hasn't put in that 110%, and you see, you see the cracks go. And I'm like, why are you here exactly. if you're not going to put in. Every time. Why complain? Yeah. Because if you don't want to work the long hours, why are you here? Yeah. Because we have like French hours. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But that's around like 10 hours straight with no lunch break. 
I do, they, I do know of yeah, those, yeah. And they pretty much bring like food around to you. And mm. as a second AC, we don't stop. Yeah. Whenever people are, you know, sitting down chilling, we're still building the camera. We're cleaning lenses. I'm running around making sure my camera report sheets are up to date with the continuity lady or guy. And I never get a chance to sit down at all and like eat mm. sometimes on set. And I, I'm fine with that because I love it. I'll have like a burrito in one hand. I'll have my iPad in the other hand reading notes and I'll just be having the time of my life for my friends. But a lot of people that work on these sets, they don't have that. They don't have that drive or the energy. And it might yeah. be because I'm so young and energetic, but I'm always going to be like this. I think it's just the passion. And it's if you, if you don't like the hours that you have to put into these films, if you don't want to work six day weeks, 10 hour days with no break, mm. don't do it. Yeah. Because there's somebody else that's out there that's younger or older that's more deserving of this and that won't complain and that's mm. going to work their absolute butt off to be in your position. Because the second you leave, you're just going to get replaced by somebody that's more desirable. God, yeah. And like that's why a lot of people like us or a lot of older people, they love, they, they always fight for their role. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the jealousy comes in when someone new comes in. Because yeah. it's, who are you? You're like fresh meat. You shouldn't mm. be here. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the best way I describe the film industry is like a bloodbath, like quite literally. And as horrific as that sounds, it's just the truth because yeah. people will literally, I've had people like say lies about me to people. And those people that are saying these lies talk to people that actually know me and they don't know that. Mm. And they're just shooting themselves in the foot mm. because they're like bitching about me. Mm. and the person that they're like talking crap about me too is actually like she's she's lovely like i'm actually her mentor funny that mm. and they're like oh god i've just you know like spoke up the wrong tree and now all of a sudden they're not going to get any work and it's that it's people will throw you under the bus for no absolute reason yeah people don't even know me sometimes and they try to do it because they want my opportunities yeah and that just really shows what the film industry is and it's like that feudal system people just want to keep climbing it and they will take you down for any reason yeah they, they 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 can think of that being true or false and a lot of the time it's always false because they just want your role and they'll just make up absurd things about you yeah and that really upsets me because it's who can you trust like everyone treats you as a network yeah. and that's why when i said that i love to work with my friends everyone i meet like yourself you're a friend mm. not a network no, and I think that like I I think that it makes us very unique though in in that regard because mm -hmm. it's why I always say to everyone it's like you you do make friends you do make this industry is compiled with friends but then there are people out there and it's and it's happened to me unfortunately like I've been a victim yeah. of like cancel culture and Sorry shitting on oh it's and it and it's shit but I've I've said to people doesn't affect me because. I have amazing friends here in Sydney and I have an amazing partner. And, and You know your circle. Yeah. And you know who you can trust. And I think that everyone, and I told this story to, you know, majority of my close friends and they, and then some other um, good friends in the industry and they all went, that's bullshit. That is 100% bullshit. This mm. person does not know you. Exactly. And, and I find it frustrating when people use kind, like your own kindness and your own generosity against you, because it's yes. like, then they're like, well, I can manipulate this. Exactly. And I'm like, who are you manipulating for? And I've experienced the exact same thing. Like, end mm. of last year, friends of mine, yeah. quote unquote, <laughs> did like, did exactly that. And my best mate was like, no. Yeah. That's not true. Mm. What are you, what are you bloody on about? Don't get spreading this because people, you're going to paint a bad picture about Phoebe 
in these people's heads that they don't even know her. Mm. So that that's going to be their first assumption. It's like, stop that. Mm. And when those other people tried to do the same thing about him, I reciprocated that. And I said, stop. You yeah. can't do that. That that is not correct. And it's to it's to know that that circle and that that group of friends that you've got, which to me is like family. Yeah. Like they will always stay, like stand up for me and they'll step up to the podium if they need to like, you know, stick up for me if somebody is talking crap about me. Yeah. And a lot of the time people will try and put me down because they want my opportunities, but they never will win because if I'm finding my battles myself, I've got to big group of people behind me mm. that are ready to like fight with me yeah and i'm so like respectful and i'm so appreciative that the film industry has given me these people that i love so much yeah. and that's why i love this industry because you work with people on set for one day you might not see them for a year but then a year later you could bump into them and you're like best buddies forever yeah because people remember those experiences and all the stuff that you do on set it brings you together it's yeah. the very there are very long days the long hard-working days and in the most traumatic times people get brought together as people say mm. and um that's what film is not yeah. a traumatic time but it's a stressful time a lot of the time <laughs> oh <And> god yeah <laughs> stress can bring people together and that's why like a lot of my friends i've met on film sets mm. and like I see them every day. Yeah. Because like this it's just that one experience that we had brought us all together. Yeah. And now we're like one big family. Yeah. And I think I think one of my really good friends, um, he he is an amazing, um, amazing human. And he even said and we became good friends this year. So mm. it was like we kind of knew each other and then became closer because of the project that we just did. Because we did a fan stuff which was created um by me of Doctor Who product. Um we do a Doctor Who fan site. It's on YouTube if awesome. you want to go and check yeah. that. It's great. Um and it's all like out of my own pocket so anything um, we're about to start a fundraising so go and donate to that um but, yeah everyone donate please yeah we'll please, donate please to that project please um but he just he said to me he sat me down and he said this is the thing is i love that you're just so passionate and driven about it because he ended up writing his own short film which he's about to make um and he's got a dop who um and it's all shot on a mobile awesome. it's all kind of like a um iphone kind of style well a film won a film festival that was just shot on the yeah. phone i don't remember the name of it but i remember that being all headlined everywhere when i was mm. younger like it was shot on the iphone yeah and it won yeah it's yeah you, like you can do anything with an iphone oh god yeah and yeah and i'm really excited for him to like to finally see it and i remember mm. he originally wanted me to edit it and and then he found and as an editor this like my skill is to edit i'm not a sound designer i'm not like qualified to be a sound designer or fit i'm good at color grading i'm good at editing that is my strength. And he wanted a one and all. And he sent me this message. And it's a really kind message. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm going to, I found someone else who's like, you know, can do it. Is, is that okay? You know, if you, you know, you can help out any other way. And I was like, you know what? No worries. That's fine. I don't mind because it will probably get the product done and it will get it done just so you're at ease. And it's all done by the one person. It's not like multiple hands. But I did say to him, it's like, I'm happy to do anything from photos to anything else. Because one, I want to see you succeed as mm. a creator because you're such a good person and he's about to leave for the uk but i think also this is a story he's wanted to tell and and i think from his perspective as as a gay man he just really wants to tell this story about you know dating on um you know dating and and being a gay man in the dating field and i thought perfect tell it as like however you want but and i think he's just very passionate he's very driven and that's why we get along so well is awesome. we're both we're both such driven people and we don't like time wasters. We we just can't stand people who just go, nah, you know, it's 
I'll do it on the day. It's like, what's that? Oh, no. hell no. No. No, no, no. Like, I, I could never. My stress levels would just rise. Yeah. The it's it's like, I'm I'm sorry, but I love rehearsals. I love planning and I love... Testing, planning, testing. scheduling, mm. everything. That's, yeah. that's that's my full front. That's my yeah. that's my whole mantra. Yeah. I want to be prepared for everything when I step onto a set. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, there's always going to be stuff on set, obviously, that we're not prepared for. Oh, because, of course. Um, but I think you go into everything and I think knowing knowing what your skill set is and and I've said it to multiple times but it it is going in and I think the best thing was the shot the shot um the film we did on the weekend and it was a few Saturdays ago when we did shoot it I didn't have a shot list and it was one of the most terrifying things because we hadn't seen the space really with all the stuff in it. So I was like, oh, I know no. what I want. <laughs> I know what I want. As a director, I knew what I wanted and I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to cover this in the best way possible. And I kind of knew what all the actors were doing. I was like, okay, cool. It's midday now. We've got six hours to shoot. And there was one point at about five o'clock in the afternoon, we'd shot majority of it. And then suddenly the there was a party downstairs. Like there was music suddenly coming on. And oh, I just no. went to two of my friends on set and I said, go and tell them to shut up. Like go and tell them to stop the music. And, and, the lovely studio people were like, oh, if the music starts, don't tell them to stop. And I was like, no, I'm straight up. I, I can't. I've got this place until, you know, like I want to rap because totally. we want to get this shot done. And we went down and told them and then the, and we had more chatter and stuff. And we managed to get all the shots done. But it was one of those things that I was like, I got, I remember hearing someone's phone go off. And the, that was also a pet peeve. I hate when people have their phones on set. Mm. Like if. I, I always turn my data off. Yeah. I, I turn everything off so no one can contact me. Yeah. And I'll have like a hundred text messages yeah. at the end of the day, but it's worth it because you want to indulge yourself in that in that it's, project in the moment. I can't stand though when people just sit there looking at their phones between takes. I'm like, you oh, are on yeah. the you're on the go. You constantly have to think about what happens next. So exactly. If you're in your phone, that's problematic because it means it looks, and I think that's because it was trained into me when I was so young. I was I was 18 when I was first on ever on my own, um, first ever set, 18, 19, and I remember being on this afters shoot. Yeah, and then and I was meant to do the behind the scenes stuff for them. I never ended up giving it to them because, and not to say that it was on them. I just I hated what I shot, and yep. I was too young to understand it. And I think they just were like, it was nice for their experience, but. Yep they didn't need it in the end and they didn't want the footage and I was like so I have all the footage it's somewhere on a hard drive but I remember saying uh, there was one day where I sat down and then I sat down for like all of two seconds before the AD went stand up like don't sit down don't don't sit yeah it was like the first idea and I was like oh god you know what what's happening and from then on I was like no I can't look at my phone I can't be you know procrastinating at all so I was always exactly and like I've had a similar experience I've had somebody on a feature come up to me and say no chit chat yeah and it was from that day onwards I'm like no chit chat yeah like I'm like my mouth is zipped Mm. but then it's also understanding that healthy balance of like banter but that professionalism yeah, and that, that comes with time and that comes with experience and it's learning how to read a room mostly. Yeah. Look, if you can, if you can read a room, you'll nail it straight away. I couldn't cause I loved the chit chat when I was younger, but I know how to read a room now and I've always been given compliments and people like, like I've had university reports say she understands like the, like how to be like funny, but also be really professional at the same time. Yeah. And people think I'm like 25 years old. Because they're like, wow, she can just really understand how things are moving around and she knows when to chime in, she knows when to stop, she knows when to slow down, yeah. she knows when to pick up the pace. And I'm 21. Yeah. And it's not that I'm more experienced than them. It's just 
I've really come to that understanding of when should I be doing this or when should I not be doing this? Yeah. And as you said, there is a, there is a time and a place to sit down, mm. like lunchtime, yeah. or there is a time and a place to be in your phone, again, like lunch or a wrap, or before, before call time. Yeah. Like don't get, you know, don't, like just because it says call time doesn't mean you can be in your phone. You know what no. I mean? And I think people should learn that because it's like if, if I'm sitting down like with someone at lunch, I don't want to see them on their phone I, I want to indulge in conversation mm. and it's like when I say if I'm trying to talk to a director and they're on the phone I'm like dude like I'm trying to make your piece come to life you yeah. gotta help me yeah I 100% agree with that and I think you know the kudos to um you know an amazing cast and crew but I, I do also I've been on those sets and I've and I've had you know, and I've had those sets myself in my experience uh, um, where I've, I've worked with different people who I didn't think, you know, and didn't listen or, you know, like whether I was director or anything like that and, and just the communication fell apart. Mm. But I think also, you know, I think the wonderful thing about working on, on so many different short films and I've worked like I think some of the like there's about three short films that I worked on that haven't been released. And they're some of my proudest work because, like, one, I worked really hard on them and I'm sad they never got released. But, you know, uh, two, I think it's just it, it comes down to the skill set of just going, OK, well, I know what this film needs and I know what the, you know, like it. it and I've sat down with the director and worked on it. And whether the director is happy with the final result, I can't control because that's down to their own attachment to the story at that point. And that's unfortunate because sometimes as creators we lose attachment to it when we see it's not the product that we wanted i've experienced that yeah yeah and like it, there's one project that came to mind the second you said that yeah. yeah and i think i think like i don't know i'm one of those people who's just like it doesn't matter if it looks like trash or something or i've i have it hasn't hit everything that i've loved mm. if people see it you know what's it going to bring to them exactly you know like what can they take from it yeah ultimately and I think, you know, I don't know if you have the same thing, but when I step away from projects for about five years, four or five years, and I look back at them, I'm going, actually, that's not half bad. I really was yeah. so hyper-focused on how, you know, I didn't do this right and I didn't do this right. But as a perspective, and if I didn't know any of the background stuff, I wouldn't give two hoots about how, you know. Like, exactly. You know, I'm at that stage in my career now where if I'm right, I think my high school stuff is like, I think four or five years out. Yeah. And I look back on some of the old stuff. Like recently, literally I was going through my hard drives. I was downloading all my university stuff and I stumbled across all my old high school stuff. Mm. And I was watching a short film called The Bitter End. And I'm like, wow, I, I actually... I had, like, I, at the time, I thought this was fantastic. Mm. And then when I first started uni, I'm like, yuck, what was that? What was I thinking? But then I now come to an appreciation that, wow, I actually had an eye for something. Mm. And there was a motive there. And there was a creative, like, there was a creative decision behind that shot choice. Yeah. And I have a, like, and I've got so much respect for my past self. And then there was a film called Grandpa. And at the time, um, I think it was my first ever proper film that I shot. And I got to do a shot list with the director and the director got to write the script independently at uni. And it was the first time we got full creative freedom. And at the time I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never set up a camera before. I didn't even understand white balance. Let's just say that. I didn't even change the white balance, yeah. but I just got lucky. I'm pretty sure I just set it to like 50, 5,600. Got, got very lucky. <laughs> but like, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But then years later, I look back at it and I'm like, something was there. And mm that looks really nice and back 
at, at the time I was like, wow, I could have done so much better. And like, for example, like an overexposed shot, it disgusted me at the time. I'm like, oh, why is it? Why is the sky white? The sky shouldn't be white. It should be blue. Mm. But now, but like I look back at it now and I'm like, the framing, the angle, it was there. So what? It's got a white sky. Yeah. The framing, the motive was there. And mm. that's what I've learned to like appreciate now. And it was only recently I came to that like discovery that I can appreciate the older stuff that, yeah, it's not as good, but it's still it's still there. It's got substance. There's still something good you can delve out of it. Yeah. I think that also like and that still happens to me today. Like and I think it never stops. You never stop learning from everything that I you look ever forward t- to that. Yeah, I know. As I grow, I look forward to looking back at my old stuff and thinking, wow. Like I did that, yeah. and there was a there was a motive behind that. Mm. I, I'm yeah, that makes me so excited for the future. Yeah, and I think I think it shows that you you drive hard um hard in your work, and I think that that doesn't come as a I don't want to say this is like, but it it's it's shows your you know that you have drive mm-hmm. because the thing about this industry is a lot of people don't have drive. They don't have the the fact that, you know, it's like you or me where we go, okay, well, how can I make this product the best capabilities? And I just think that I remember the first, um, you know, like the f- first ever um, film that we did at, um, at TAFE and it was like, you know, middle of middle of term three, and we shot um, one of my friends' um, amazing scripts. We all loved her script. And we thought, okay, cool, this is the first one we shoot. And it was probably the one that was the most difficult to shoot because we were on a time crunch, and we didn't really we were learning about what time crunches meant when you have you schedule everything and you kind of just allow this much time for one scene and stuff. And so there was coverage we missed. There was angles yeah. we missed, and I think the thing was it taught us very quickly about how long you spend on each shot because that's something that people mm-hmm. don't teach you like they you got to learn because you don't sit there doing 20 takes of one angle you do two or three and then move to the next Print shot it, move on yeah and i think that you know back in the day they didn't have that luxury if you ran out of film that was you done for the day yeah. like you got to sparingly make sure you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse exactly. and get it right and and that's why it drives me mental that people don't do tech checks they don't do like mm-hmm. um and the they don't the, check their gear thoroughly enough yeah and there's sometimes people forget things mm. and on set they're like oh it's not our fault it's the gear company's fault it's the rental place's fault no it's not they mm. gave you the gear. You should have checked that list. Yeah. If you don't check down that list, you're leaving bare boned. And mm. if that's not your fault, like if you leave something there, that render company is like, well, they've just left, they've just like neglected this one piece of gear. Mm. We're going to now charge them for that because they clearly can't show that they, that they can be trusted mm. with the whole, you know, package of gear that they've been given. Mm. And I think people nowadays need to stop blaming other people for the issues that they've caused themselves. Yeah. I think that re- reminds me of like when I was at TAFE as well and we shot this dog, we shot this nice thing for dog um, like training situation. And working one, with dogs at TAFE, like animals, uh, working with animals is hard. That's a. So it was so good yeah. though because we did it. It was a training video. Awesome. But the downside was we got back and I was producing this and I was like, oh yeah, this is easy. This is mm. like the best kind of producing. And I had to write this awful email at the end of the day because we realized that one of the cameras had was shot on 12 frames per second. 
So it was oh, unusable. I can just see what that looks like. It was it's awful. artistic. It's experimental. Yeah, yeah it wasn't it. it was just, <laughs> and it was like all. It was meant to be another angle. I'm like, oh, oh no. no. And I wrote was it this... usable? Like, did no. you guys end up putting it in like as a creative choice? Or no, we couldn't even no. use it. Oh no! It was a main shot as well. A main shot. It was actually meant to be the main camera, and they didn't check the camera operator. Didn't oh, check no. the the frame rate, and they just trusted that the. Tafed. Trust the process. And, and I was like, no. That process did not. No, go it didn't deliver. At all. <laughs> um, so we had to write this long email. I spoke to my friend who, at the time who had worked previously with these people. And um, yeah, unfortunately, they weren't too impressed. And they were like, no, nah, it's too expensive for us to reorganize. And I was like, cool. I have to cop the fact that this. Yeah. As a producer, it falls under your name. It, yeah. It's your like quote unquote. It'll, it'll be your company in the industry. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that sucks. I, and it does suck. But I mean, like it that little hiccup in my life, I was like, no, nah, you know, like you will never is, make that mistake again. Yeah, and you kind of always learn. And and I always. and I and I say to anyone, like, always check. You know, and I do a gear check every day. I do like every time I do a podcast, I always check that the mics work. I make sure everything works, and then I go, "Yep, cool, that works. That works." You know, quality. Perfect. But it drives me mental when people don't. Don't do that. And I've had that experience before on um my on the first grad film that I shot. I mm. shot two. And one of them called The Last Day. On the very first ever shooting day, um, we, were, we were quite strict, like, struck with time at the very start of it, like, in regards to setup time. Mm. So on the FS7, I just kind of scrolled through all the settings, looked at them all, checked them off the list. And then when it came to the audio input, it's you have input and internal mic. And you both starting with IN. And at the time, that's all you could see. IN, IN. And I'm like, perfect. Internal, internal, done. It wasn't internal. It was input, but nothing was plugged into the input because all our sound was being recorded via an external sound recorder. So for the first day of shooting, we had no audio, no internal like audio from the camera. And oh my God, I was so embarrassed when my friend was like to me, Phoebe, I've just looked through the rushes and there's no audio from day one. I'm like, no way. And I didn't believe it. I like I looked through, and that's because I was rushed. And what I should have done is taken an extra five minutes to look through yeah. those settings, just the one audio settings, and that was it. And that would have saved our editor like days and days of you know manually syncing audio mm. to a clapperboard. And it's from that one mistake I would never make that mistake again yeah. because uh, my like. I'm glad that I was working with my friends, but they love to bully me about it in like a nice way. <laughs> banter. Let's just say it's banter. I was infuriated with myself because I, I thought I, I thought I let the team down, but uh. the, it, it's just that it, things like this happen, yeah. and you can't you, you can't like fault yourself. Like we're, we're only human, yeah. and if you and it just comes to like it comes down to it like where if if you, if you rush, you can like things are gonna slip through. Like we discussed earlier. And if you let things slip through your fingers, that could be detrimental to the shoot at the end of the day. And I'm just yeah. glad that it was just audio that you could sync. Thank God. But it could have been anything else. I could have accidentally formatted the card at the end of the day. Yeah. Imagine I would have I would have been kicking myself. I would have cried. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also like the the horror stories that I've heard of like, you know, um when you've done a data wrangle and the card has corrupted itself. Like, oh, that's, that's why we use ShotPut Pro. That's yeah. why it's camera assistants like all embed ourselves in the computer for yeah. hours just watching like a little progress bar go higher and higher. Yeah. And I think it's like one of those things that scares people because I, you know, um, one of my really close friends, Molly Sutherland, kind of taught me that. And she just, yeah, automatically.
Natalie was just like, this is what I do. This is the process. Yeah. Because I take so many notes. The first time I ever got trusted with data wrangling. Yeah. I was like to the, like the first day, see, I'm like, this is sit down for an hour. And let's just talk about this because I want to understand the process, the protocols, and how do I easily manage the workflow of ingesting and outputting media into a different hard drive? And then how do I get that one, you know, outputted media from hard drive A to hard drive B? Like, what is the process? And I've got a whole notebook somewhere filled with notes. And it's all in whiteboard marker. And then the whiteboard marker ran out. So I got a pencil and it was an ordeal, but I got those notes done. And it was from that one day, someone took the time to sit with me for like an hour and they chose to sit with me after set for an hour. They didn't have to. They weren't getting paid extra for that. I wasn't even getting paid at all. And I learned that and I'm really appreciative to that person for helping me out because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have understood the proper protocols and, and how to not, you know, possibly mess up like a whole crew's hard day, like hard days of work. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that and that's very, and I and I, you know you hear it all the time, but it, it is very much like a day's work, whether it's paid or unpaid, is you know and it's a hard day, it's a hard long day. Yeah, depending on the set, you could be outside all day in the sun, mm. it could be raining all day, or you could be inside. Mm. Like regardless, it's all equally weighted, regardless of the weather or like the conditions. Yeah. It's just. Like everyone's like working their butt off together and just to hear that all the footage got lost, it's so disheartening yeah. and I, you don't ever want to be the person that's done that. Yeah. And like I, it's, and it's happens to all of us as well. Yeah. And it's, and it's an unfortunate, and like one of my really good friends who, um, he lives in LA now and he was booming once for me, we were doing an interview and Lo and behold, he didn't tell me I'm set and, and I don't blame him, but you know, he's kind of said to me afterwards, he was like, oh. I forgot to actually, like, I thought I hit record and what I actually did was hit on, off, on. Oh, no. Um, So it didn't actually record. I've heard about this stuff before. Yeah, and he was so mad at himself. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry. ADR. (laughs) ADR, it's an interview or we'll just get it later. And and I think, I mean, luckily it was on an interview where it was a 30-degree day and we were filming outside and we were all sweating. So I don't think it actually worked as well as we'd hoped. But it was one of those things that I was like, I remember looking back on and going, okay, you know, that's a learning curve. You know, you make sure that you are getting good recording. You are getting, and I've worked with good sound recorders. I've worked with bad ones. Like you, you know, you generally, like I think level with the fact that everything is an issue. If something doesn't sound right, if something doesn't look right, Mm -hmm. let people know. Don't just sit on it and go, well, I guess it's fine. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's that, that I think it's, it's the, um, honesty, I think. Yeah. It's being able to, you know, face the music and just really like, sometimes you have to bite the bullet and you have to say, look, I'm so sorry. I just messed up. Yeah. And like, if you run away from your problems, you look worse, but if you can like, you know, face the music, as I just said, like people really admire that. And when people say to me, oh, I accidentally did this. I'm like, that's fine. Thank you so much for telling me. We can now, you know, sit down, think about it for a bit, and then we can figure out a good procedure to fix the issue. Mm. Whereas if people like, just run away from it, that's like a future problem. And when we're all stress-free, one day someone's going to email us and be like, what's happened here? Yeah. And we're going to be like, what do you mean? <laughs> that was never brought up to me. No. And yeah, I think honesty and communication are, I think, are soft skills that need to be implemented more in people's, you know, workflows. Yeah. I'd say. I think uh, how, like, I want to move us on to um, mental health and social media as totally. well. Because um, we've been talking about our love for film for so long. <laughs> 
and I'm not complaining. But I mean, like with with your own mental health and how you deal with it, like yeah. how, how are you these days with coping with anything like anxiety or depression or anything like that? Are you very, very good or is it kind of like come in waves or anything like that for you? It's weird because I'm very like, I'm a very positive person yeah. and I get my energy off people. Like if I'm getting my energy off you right now, we're just bouncing off each other yeah. and I love that. But it's for me, like when I feel like I'm doing nothing, mm-hmm. I feel I, I feel quite useless to be honest. And it's for me, it's, it's like days off. I used to hate having days off because I would feel so like just 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 really useless just to kind of package that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I never wanted to feel useless, and that's why I used to always jam pack my days with different gigs, different sets and stuff, meetings, um, interviews with directors and stuff, shot listing sessions. But I've now grown from that mindset. Like having a day off's fine. Mm. You don't want to burn out at a young age. And it was the anxiety of me having a day off and feeling like a failure in my own eyes because people would tell me, slow down, dude. Like you're going to burn yourself out. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. That means I'm doing nothing. Then I'll get bored easily. Mm. but no it's it's i think for me as i've matured from like when i was 17 was when it was when i first started like started pretty much doing all this seriously mm. to now i've seen a huge growth in myself and my and, and the way i deal with mental health in regards to like having a day off doesn't mean you're worthless it doesn't mean you're useless it just means you're resting from all the hard work you've done and you deserve a day off yeah and like i I had a holiday for the first time ever at the start of this year and I ended up, it was only meant to be for a week, but then when I was in Melbourne, I ended up extending it for an extra week and I pushed back all my work. My directors were not happy with me (laughs) at all, but I'm like, I I deserve this. This is the first time I've ever had a break Mm. and I haven't had a holiday since COVID hit, but not, not even, I hadn't had a holiday since I was 15 when I went to New York and I was, I think, yeah, I was 21 and hadn't had a holiday since I was 15. And I'm like, you know what? I deserve this. I want an extra week. I am allowed to have an extra week if I want to. So I pushed people back. People got so angry at me. I had a lot of angry phone calls and emails. But people realized that she actually has been working her butt off for the past God knows how long. I don't know how long, how many years has that been? Like, Mm. it was like seven years, eight, I don't know, seven, six years. And it's just the fact that, like, people's reaction to me having a holiday really discouraged me but at the same time like no i deserve this and my friends that came on the holiday with me were like yeah you you have an extra week you you can do this Mm. and i just got to explore melbourne and like have fun and i got to go to the um museum of cinema if i'm right yes and that was bloody great i wish to have i wish to have a bigger section on cinematography yeah i wish but at the same time i got to see all these cool cameras and i got to see this like the art and the history of that and yes, that's still film, but I got to indulge in it and I got to sink my teeth into something mm. that's fun. And yes, film is fun, but having a day off and still experiencing and learning something in a really controlled and calm atmosphere was great. Mm. And even just like going to the Great Ocean Road, for example, just spontaneously, just going down there one day, I, I loved it. And if I didn't have the extra week, I wouldn't have done that. Mm. And what I told myself is now is after every big project I do, I at least deserve a little long weekend to myself. Even if I go to Port Macquarie, I love Port Macquarie. And after my first ever short feature I did at the start of 2021, I treated myself and went to Port Macquarie for a, like for, just for a long weekend. And that to me is not a holiday, so it's just a little weekend. Mm. But that 
encouraged me and made me so excited for my next set because it's not like I'm like I'm burning myself out. I'm getting home at one in the morning, then I've got to wake up at seven the next day. I'm all that same day actually. Mm. I'm just, you know, keeping calm and collected. I'm gonna, you know, have a sleep in for the first time ever and then get back into it the next week. I'm not gonna miss out on anything. Yeah. Two weeks out of a year is nothing. And that's why I'm here. Like I'm here today. Like I'm in Sydney. I'm in Sydney for the day. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. And I've I've had such a blast. And I might be seeing my friends after this. Yeah. And like I'm just like I welcome more opportunities for holidays because I've matured from that old mindset that I had, and I've really come to that self discovery that days off and being bored isn't being useless. It's you're just you know kind of healing from that proactivity that you've had all this time yeah and like that i'd say like look i i haven't had many stresses in my life like i'm very blessed to say that Mm. and but for me the biggest stress is having a day off because i just like for me that is like i'm worthless Mm. but it's not it's not at all yeah and i've had so many friends like talk to me and be like you need to like slow down and i've had mentors come up to me and say slow down before you burn out and I've, I I work every day. My calendar's crazy, but I always make sure I schedule in a weekend because that weekend to me is so rejuvenating. Yeah. A bit of R&R won't hurt anybody and it's not going to hurt me. And I'm so glad that I've matured enough to come to that realization that, you know, I, again, like a day off does not equal being useless. It it means you're just, you know, healing from all the stuff that you've done. Yeah. And I, yeah, again, this is, I'm glad that I've come to that stage in my life. And even though it's a really small thing compared to a lot of people, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I think that's really important. Do you feel like also that was a that was a combination of like social media and stuff as well? Because you're not comparing. I'm the biggest user of social media, really? so like I look, I love Snapchat, and <laughs> I, I I use that just to keep in contact with my mates, mostly yeah. like when I travel around and stuff. Like all my friends are Brisbane based, pretty much, and I've got a big group of friends on the Gold Coast, but a lot of the people I work with that I see every day are in Brisbane, so yeah. I pretty much Snapchat them. That's the best way I can see them and talk to them, like all in one. It's like a great little deal I have, and um it's i think for me social media is i don't post on social media yeah i've had a professional quote-unquote professional account um since i was 17 and i have not posted on it once because i just like for me right now i'm getting so much work just off of word of mouth i don't feel the need to go out and show off my stuff on social media (laughs) i'm young i just want to like just relax and chill and like for me, I, I don't want to ever experience the pressure of social yeah. media. And that's why I haven't even ever tried to attempt it. Like I haven't posted on my personal Instagram since 2019 <laughs> because I don't want, well, that, and that's like the start of 2019. Yeah. I just don't ever want to feel the pressure of like, I don't need to be validated by people. Like I'll post on my stories, mm. but I don't need to post a photo to show people what I'm doing, to show people that I'm happy. Mm. As long as I know myself that I'm happy, that's all I care about. And like, yeah, again, I think social media is quite useless to be honest. Like, besides from keeping in contact from my fa- like with my family in the UK and my friends in the UK, I don't think like, yeah, I don't really like, I don't use it at all. Like, yeah. I've had so many people come up to me and be like, "Why don't you post, dude? Like, you only post in your stories." I'm like, "Yeah, so like, yeah. I don't need social media." Like, again, <laughs> all I use is like Messenger. Like, yeah. that I just want to talk to people. I don't want to, like, show myself off to the world. I don't care. <laughs> I love that. And I'm, I'm so glad that I'm, like, 
like I'm a, I'm a young person and yeah. I don't have the pressure of social media because a lot of people do yeah. that are my age. And I'm just glad that I don't have that added layer yeah. to stress that I may experience because I, I don't need it. And no. I don't like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad. I'm, I'm really happy with I, where I am. I don't think I don't think people do need it. I don't think it's a you know. I think Instagram in particular, or like you know, or there's. I just, hate Instagram. Not yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Look, if even if my friends DM me on Instagram, I'm like, can we just move it to Messenger? Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> it's just way easier. Messenger's way easier. Like, email me on Messenger, please. Literally, just email me and text me. Why don't we have a conversation in person? Yeah. What about that? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Foreign concept. <laughs> But I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 a funny thing, and I I generally I I still hate social media, even though I have five Instagram accounts, which for all different things, and it drives me mental mm. how much. There's and a I, lot going on in all different places. Yeah, and I think I think when someone you know people go to me like, oh, you run a really good marketing thing, and I'm like, I'm if you ask me, do I like marketing? I say no, I hate it. It's the worst thing in the world. But I do it because I have to, like, yeah. because no one will otherwise find out a, about a platform or something. But mm. I mean. I definitely do say if you don't need it, don't you have it. Exactly. Because it is such a fundamentally wasted. I haven't felt the need to post anything like like, yeah. like a, a formal post. Like I've put things on my story just to like, you know, not like I'm updating my followers. This is what I'm doing. It's yeah. more so like, oh, this is where I am. Like you can yeah. look at it if you want to look at it. If you don't look at it, I don't care at all. <laughs> Like, I just want my friends, like, my close friends to see it because yeah. they're the ones wondering what I'm doing. Yeah. They might not even be wondering. I could just be thinking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not that popular, like, honestly. Like, but it's it's just, yeah, like, I don't think that you have to ever feel pressured to prove yourself to people and to the wider public. And, um, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm just, I'm again, I'm just, I'd like to bring it back to the fact that I'm really glad that I'm not one of those young people that, has yeah. to post on social media and that has to have scheduled uploads or oh no i gotta like i've got to get a really cute pic of this lunch to be able to post and show people like i just take one picture on my phone yeah. and walk away maybe i maybe like, i might not even take a photo at the end of the day i just want to look at it and have fun yeah and i feel like more people need to be like that yeah i understand i 100 percent agree with that i i'm going to use that as a perfect point to wrap us up but i also yeah, want to just totally. say that you are one of my favorite people after today's conversation because oh, yeah. you are genuinely so cool. Nah, dude, I love your jumper. Thank you. It's bloody great. We should do. I, we, we, should, we should do a jumper shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Reckon, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get this when you leave. No, I'm oh, I don't. Oh, nah. I was gonna give you this one. Though. It's <laughs> no, my favorite. <laughs> I'm sure it is. But I'm well, that go. one. It's gonna be my new favorite. <laughs> it's, look, I'll t- I'll send you photos of it, like Thank just you. from afar. Oh, from afar. Okay. Yeah, well, you look, can wear lucky it one day. for you, I'm based in Queensland. Yeah, no. So. It's ten hours. Yes. Okay. You can't you can't come and steal it from me just I yet. have to correct my eight hours and thirty three minutes. I've driven it that many times. It oh is specifically eight hours thirty three oh minutes. Oh my god. Five yeah. times last month. Fuck. Five times there and back. That's insane. It's great. <laughs> I, I I love it. <laughs> um, Phoebe, where can people stalk you on the internet? Where, where because obviously you don't have social, so where the fuck? <laughs> well, look, this? okay, so I do I do have social media. Um, I've got I've got a personal, but my my professional one, which is very vast, that's quite plain right now. But it uh, it's at Phoebe Green DP. Yeah. And um, that's where I love to just post little stories and possibly a post one day. You know, everyone's going to get a notification. Phoebe Green DP just posted in the first time for a while. Yeah. And that's going to be my first ever post. Not for a while, first ever. Yeah. And uh, everyone's going to be applauding. But um, <laughs> it's more so, yeah, I, I um, 
on that platform, I tend to keep people updated with where I am, with what I'm doing in the industry, yeah, and with what I'm like, you know, shooting and stuff, and like what gear I'm working with. And um, yeah, like follow me on that if you're interested. Um, if not, um, that's fine. I respect that completely. <laughs> Just chuck me a follow, why not? Yeah, please do. Please. I'll follow you back. Yeah, Phoebe will follow you back and and just go follow her because she's badass. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you so much for coming on. It was an no, absolute thank pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's honestly been like, I've been telling my friends all about this and they're so excited to hear me just ramble. <laughs> I'm excited to edit this and send it to you afterwards. So I'm just excited to hear it all over again. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you so much, Phoebe. It's You've been, been so great to talk to. Everyone that's listening, he's bloody amazing. He's a great conversationalist. And like, yeah, he's just been great to bounce off. I get so much energy from you. Yeah. I just want to, I, I could just keep talking. Oh, me Maybe too. Maybe once we press pause on this, oh, don't, look, let's get I, another tea together. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 but we're going to stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll keep that in mind. If you want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. I'll be speaking with another guest next week and I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. See you guys.